Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Woodstock, Georgia, it's time for Cherokee Business Radio. Now, here's your host. Welcome to Cherokee Business Radio and the first, the inaugural, the one right out of the box of our Cherokee Cares series. And I cannot think of a better way to kick this thing off than welcoming to the broadcast community liaison for Cherokee with Must Ministries, Mr. Kendall Jones. Good morning, sir. Good morning. I, uh, I, I'm quite sincere in that I can't think of a better way to kick this series off than to have a conversation with you. You and I have actually had a chance to visit on a couple of occasions because uh, we've done a couple of things connected to, the, to your work, and you are... Uh, you really are a liaison. You're, you are in the business community, in the community in general. Uh, you, uh, you must love the, the work. But before we dive into any of the specifics, can you just give our listeners uh, a, a bit of a primer, like an overview, mission, purpose of, of Must Ministries? Sure. The, um, the mission statement for Must says, uh, serving our neighbors in need, transforming lives and communities in response to Christ's call. So the idea is to provide services and provide hope, but it's also transformation. You know, if somebody comes in and gets food and they leave and that's all we've done for them, we haven't made a lasting difference. So we've discovered things like food and clothing are just a symptom uh-huh. of, of a more underlying cause. And so our hope is to get to the underlying cause so that when people leave our services, they are in a different place than when they came in. So this... Uh this acronym must, I usually see it, maybe always see it in, in all caps. Is it a, is that the right word acronym? Does yeah. that stand for something? It does. Well, that's funny. That's one of my trivia questions when I'm out there <laughs> speaking in public. Does anybody right. know? And about one person every once in a while knows, you know, must started 50 years ago. And it's wow. the, so it started out as Methodist United for service and training because it started out in the Methodist church down in Cobb County. Huh. Now over the years, we've, you know, we diversified our partners. We have a lot more people helping us and working together. So now it stands for ministries United for service and training. That was clever. That was good. That was a good shift. <laughs> it was it worked out. Uh, so, how does one find themselves in in this role? Tell us a little bit about your backstory, man. Well, it's funny. I've been with Musk for eleven years, and so I'm in my fifth position with Musk. So I tell people I'm either moving up in the organization or can't hold a steady job. So that's kind of the story with Musk. But I actually started out as a middle school band director, and my degrees are in music, and so did that for eighteen years and was doing church music the whole time I was doing that. Yeah. And then I went uh, 12 years. I was a full-time minister of music at a church. And then I had an opportunity to go to Must um, 11 years ago. And um, so I started out doing the Summer Lunch Coordinator. That's a program we might get a chance to talk about later. But then uh, there's the Volunteer Coordinator position came open, and I said, well, what qualifications do I have? I'm not in social services. I don't have a degree in social service. But I look back, you know, for 18 years teaching band and for 12 years doing church choirs, every one of those people is a volunteer. Yeah. And so – I had 30 years of working with volunteers, and so, you know, the Lord kind of prepared for that role, you know, even though I didn't have any training in it, and then, you know, moved from volunteer coordinator up to program director, ran our Cherokee facility for a while, and then a couple of years ago moved into the community liaison. So it's, um, like I said, I do love what I do. Um, as as my, my kids used to say, Dad, do you have to talk to everybody? Um, but <laughs> you I can't do. go to the grocery store or the restaurant without somebody stopping you, right? You're that guy. Exactly. I'm I'm that guy. So, but um. That's the joy about it, you know, because yeah. the, 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 being in the grocery store and connect somebody to a need or a volunteer opportunity or whatever, that's, that's what you hope to be able to do. 
So you guys have, uh, I, I saw this, I saw this word in on Facebook and I think I'm using it properly, a plethora, a whole bunch of programs, things, services, and, and I don't expect you to list all of them, but can you share, you know, a few of them just to give us some context for the, the depth and breadth of the work? Well, just to make the list, we do, you know, food, clothing, shelter, financial assistance, employment assistance, health care, and transportation. Wow. And so, you know, let's give you an example. You know, people know that Must does food and clothes, and we do. So, for example, food. You know, uh, fiscal year 21, uh, we distributed 2.7 million pounds of food. Wow. And so, you know, each day we're distributing 3.3 tons of food a day. Now, in Cherokee, that relates to we give out about a ton and a half a week at our Cherokee office. And so, you know, people say food, you know, but the, the, the volume of that. And so clothing, you know, like our Cherokee office, we'll give out about 7,000 articles of clothing a month. Um, but in addition to that, we have sheets and we have um, towels and washcloths and all those things that also go along that are so expensive that people can't afford to get. So there's so much more to it. And then shelter, we actually have seven different shelter programs. You know, anything huh. from an emergency shelter for people who are coming off the street. Uh, we have what's called a permanent supportive housing program for people who have been chronically homeless because of a disability. Uh, we actually own property. In Cherokee, we own two duplexes and four townhomes. And then we also um, lease another 14 years or so. We've got 40 people in that program. And then the Emergency Rental Assistance Program, everybody's heard about that from, from the federal government. Mm-hmm. You know, we've distributed over $5 million and, and helped thousands of people avoid being evicted. And so there's just, you know, for each thing we do when I'm out in public, people invariably say, wow, I didn't know Musk did that. You know, so that's, that's really the, the cool part is because we, you know, know what the basics are, but then it just – I think the thing that I like about Mus is that when they see a need, they figure out a way to meet it. You know, yeah. in Cherokee, we didn't have a housing program five years ago. When I was program director, you know, like if somebody came in and was homeless, we said, well, Mus has a shelter 22 miles away. Start walking. That's the only, that was the only option mm. we could offer them. Yeah. And so now we've got a housing program. We've got a, a motel voucher program where people can, we can uh, stay in the motel for up to 30 days while they work with the case manager to exit into permanent housing. We've got a, a bridge program that people can need if they need more than 30 days to get stable. They can be in an apartment for up to 90 days. We can send people down to our shelter in Marietta. We, we just, you know, we have options because what I've always said is I don't want to look sit across the table from a client who's in need and say, I got nothing for you. So Mus says, okay, we don't have this. How can we fix this? You know, transportation is a huge issue in Cherokee County. Oh yeah. So, um, you know, we've got Uber cards and gas cards and bus passes. And so we even have, we even have uh, money now for in our employment area where if somebody gets a job interview, we can transport them to the job interview. And if they get the job, we can pay their transportation up to two weeks until they get their first paycheck and then can start paying for transportation themselves. Because why have somebody not be able to take a job so they yeah. have employment because they can't get there? The logistics. I, it's tough for me to get, even wrap my mind around the logistics uh, the leadership, the organization, the the discipline and rigor uh, that that must be required to to pull this off consistently, uh, in any situation, let alone with and through volunteers. <laughs> Surely, leading volunteers is a different animal than leading someone who gets a paycheck. A is that accurate? And B, can you speak to that a little bit? It is accurate. I mean, the, what amazes me is before the pandemic, must have had about 17,000 volunteers every year. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the number is now, but we've had a lot of, you know, for our day services, you know, we're open 10 to 2 during the day. And for that, you know, we have mostly retirees because that's the people who are available during that, right. t- that time frame. Um, 
And so we depend on those volunteers. We're very much a volunteer-driven organization. We couldn't do what we do without our volunteers. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they, um, but then you, you have, you know, with a, if they have to be out, you can't say, well, I'm going to dock your pay. Right. Say, <laughs> right. so, God bless you. Thank you. Know, my, my philosophy always, and uh, when I was volunteer coordinator was, I just thanked them for the time they, they would apologize and say, well, I'm so sorry. I can't be here. I said, I'm just thankful for the time you are here. And you kind of right. feel like the little Dutch boy, you know, plugging the holes in the dike. You right. Know, right. You know, okay. We could think we have this covered. And, um, but then, then you have, we would have people would have utility infielders, so to speak. You know, we'd have people we could call them and say, Hey, we have a hole in the, in the food pantry that can you come in? So you kind of build up this network of, of, of um, on-call people so that when people have to be yeah. out, you can, you can plug them in. So I, I, can tell, I can see it in your eyes. Our listeners can hear it in your voice. You clearly um, have a passion mm. for, this, for this mission and thoroughly enjoy the work. What are some of the things that you find the, the most rewarding? It's, you know, I'm in a role now where I'm in a different setting, but especially when I was program director and, and I was the person. We'd, at that time, we didn't have a case manager for housing, so I was the case manager. Mm-hmm. And so I sat across the desk every day from people that were in need. And to be able to see... You know, you have people walk in and you talk about seeing in your eyes. You see mm-hmm. the hopelessness in somebody's eyes when they walk in. And then to see them walk out with hope. There's nothing better than that to see that they, they walked out. And, you know, are all their problems solved in 30 minutes? No. But do they, can they see a path now? Yes. And that's rewarding is to, to know that, um, that for that one person, you know, sometimes the thing that you do for them, it might not even be the food or the clothing. It's just you actually listen to them. Yeah. And you let them tell their story. And somebody actually cared about them because they don't have that in their life very much. And so there's, there's ways to, um, you've made a difference in somebody's life, whether, you know, they, they might not walk out into, they have, have a job, they have an apartment, they have a car, they're, they're ready to roll. Um, but at least they can see that maybe there's a glimmer of a possibility that they can get there. Yeah. That does have to feel really good. Well, I can tell you from my own experience, 15 plus years now being part of the business radio X network, uh, our tribe, the folks who are attracted to our work, they're, they're very relationship oriented. They're a little quicker to invest in community. Mm-hmm. They are more, if there is a profile of, of the giver, someone to, you know, to try to help their fellow person, uh, our tribe, that, that really does describe them. What I'm not sure many of us, and I, I feel proud to count myself as part of that tribe. Mm-hmm. What I'm not sure that we um, clearly understand or remember or maybe haven't even thought of is, and we talked about this a little bit before we came on, uh, on air, the, the genuine economic benefit of social services. Yeah, t- talk about that a little bit. Oh, don't turn me loose now. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first thing is, like I talked about our employment services department, obviously we're trying to help people find jobs or a lot yeah. of times trying to help people find better jobs because, you know, they may be making a wage, but it's not a living wage. Mm-hmm. You know, so like in the last year, you know, must helped about 360 people find employment, either, you know, initial employment or better employment. That translated to $8.8 million in wages back in the community. And wow. so they're, they're, those people are now paying taxes. You know, they're going to the grocery store and buying things. They're going to Walmart and buying things. They're, you know, they are contributing to the economy. Right. Simply because we were able to provide them the service of finding a job. And then the bigger picture, and like I say, this is a conversation I'm having out in the community a lot, is about, yeah. you know, we have a, an affordable housing issue in our county and every county in the United States. I, I'm, I'm connected to a lot of, you know, websites and webinars and like that. And so I, we hear the same thing. You know, just to give you an example, you know, the... um 
for people who are at 30% of AMI, which is average median income. Okay. So that's about $25,000 in Cherokee County. For every 100 households at that, that income level, there's only 29 available and affordable units of housing. Mm. And 77% of those people are severely cost burdened where they're paying more than 50% of their income towards housing. Even yeah. when you get up to 40 to 60% of AMI, which you think, well, that's a pretty good wage. You know, the, you know, you got your admins and you got your radio, you know, radiology techs and you got, I your, thought you were going to say radio hosts. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know you're, you're 110% of AMI, I'm sure. <laughs> but, um, even at that, there's only 55 available and affordable units. So, Wow. So what happens is people end up going and living in other counties. I was talking to a business owner last week, and um, a lot of their employees are going up to Pickens because they, can only, they can't afford to live in Cherokee County. Well, what happens is, you know, as they're driving to work 30 minutes to Cherokee to go to their job, they're passing the same sort of business in Pickens that's 10 minutes away from their house. Right. And so all of a sudden now, you know, why, is it, well, why am I driving 30 minutes to Cherokee when I can go 10 minutes and work in Pickens? And so – you know, there's, you know, you have people moving outside the county and, and employers are having a hard time finding people to work. But the bigger picture is, you know, you hear the term affordable housing sometimes and people sometimes have a buzzword about that. They, 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 yeah. see, the, they see the projects down in Atlanta. But affordable housing is just a place that people can afford to live. And so, you know, uh, the state of Rhode Island, for example, did an um, investment into affordable housing. They built 50, $50 million into building houses that people could afford so they could live near their work. Well, what they didn't anticipate, that generated $800 million worth of economic activity. Talk about your ROI. Yeah, 16 to 1. Wow. And so, you know, as part of that, that generated 6,100 jobs and about $300 million of income back into the economy. So, you know, it's not an economic drain. Some people think affordable housing, oh, that's going to affect my property values. It's going to, you know, it's going to be a drain on services. But it's actually, it's actually not. It actually enhances because people can afford to live and work in the community you know, live in the community where they can work. So walk us through, if you would, a, a, a day in the life of Kendall Jones. <laughs> what does your day, your week, your month look like? Well, I, that's the thing I love about it is that it's different every day. Yeah. In fact, you know, even when I was program director, I would say, um, you know, I'll have a scheduler, you know, for the day. Um, but then I have what I call um, the Ministry of Interruptions. <laughs> you know, I've got my schedule, which is which is awesome because you know the other way of you know of viewing that is divine appointments. You know, you know, for example, I may you know I've got involved in the chamber of commerce. I go to a lot of chamber of commerce mm-hmm. events because of networking. Um, I am on four boards and two oh steering committees, and so connected in that way. And so I've got meetings for that. A lot of times, it's just. You know, but then the networking, like I went to a networking event for the chamber last week, and it was at a at a daycare center, a new daycare center. Well, they were so excited that Must was there, and you know they say, well, how how can we partner? You know, they might because childcare obviously is a great need for people that we serve. You know, you got a single mom trying to get a job. How's she going to be able to work without childcare? And yeah. so we had a conversation about you know what that might look like, how we might work together. So it just varies from day to day. But then while I'm out there, you know, sometimes you know. It's funny, while I was program director, I told you, you know, I was case manager for a lot of people. And right. so I still get those emails from the people. We have new case managers. We actually have three case managers now, and um, they, they take over housing and our financial assistance, but the, the clients will reach out to me. And so I will still try to connect them. And so it's just never changing. And, and some people say, hey, I'd like to do something from us, or do you know about a resource for this? Or, you know, the greatest joy that I have now is to be in a group 
and I hear a need, I say, hey, I just talked to somebody that might be able to fit that need. And so, you know, to quote my, my friend, Laura Mixon, I'm connecting the dots all the time. Well, I got to tell you, for those of you in the listening audience, Kendall Jones is the epitome. He is the paragon of virtue. He is the picture in the dictionary. When you talk about um, connecting people, you are that guy for the whole county. I mean, you are. Well, it's it's a role that um, it's funny. You know, people will. I've done a lot of um, research and study in the area of housing and affordable housing, and spend a lot of time talking to county officials and city mm-hmm. officials and all that. So it's funny in some of my groups they they say you're the you know you're the expert on housing. I say I'm not an expert. You know, I told you my music background. I tell people I'm just a trumpet player trying to help people. I, <laughs> I'm not an expert, but I have you know one. I, I know or more one. I, exactly, but I have a passion for it because I've sat across the desk from those people who who need it. And, um, you know, I can't just sit there and go to bed at night. You know, every time I lay my head down at night in these days when it's 20 degrees, I know somebody <laughs> out there who's sleeping in it. Yeah. And so, you know, I, that motivates me to you know, whatever I can do to connect people. And the, the cool part is, is that what Musk does a lot of time is be the hands and feet for people. They, they want to do something for people to help, but they're not quite sure how to do it. So Musk is that it gives them that opportunity to realize the the passion they have in their heart to help somebody, so that's a uh, that's a wonderful connection too to connect people to the opportunity to make a difference in people's lives. Well, that's an excellent point, and actually kind of relates to my next question. Uh, specifically, I was going to ask, what can the small business community? Uh, and I know there's other constituencies, but there's quite a few of us that are that are blessed. You know, we mm-hmm. make a comfortable living. We enjoy this marvelous community of ours. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some things that the Business Radio X is, you know, the, the uh, Dewey Cheatham and Howe law firm, <laughs> or, you know, like, just look, <laughs> I saw that on some comedy, but, you know, just the, just the local business folks, these are people, in my experience, that have a good heart, but uh, to your point, may not really know, you know, what's the best way to plug in and, and provide uh, help that's going to have some some impact. So, yeah, talk about that a little bit more. Well, there's so many different ways. I mean, the first thing is, is that, the um, obviously, like where we're sitting right now, we're you know we're in the studios here at the Innovation Spot, right? And they've been in business for a few years, and they've already done three events to yeah. to benefit Must. You know, they have a heart for helping people, so they did an axe throwing event. We had a lot of fun, and yeah, I love that. Um, I was terrible at it, but it, I, <laughs> I, but uh, we enjoyed it. And then they did Christmas time. They did lunch for a cause, where you know the, yeah. the admission to the lunch was a Christmas toy for our Christmas toy shop yeah. program. Um, and because the, the cool part is, is that, you know, we can put out a barrel, anybody can put out a barrel to collect food, for example. We say, well, what difference does that make? Well, you know, I shared earlier that in fiscal year 21, we distributed 2.7 million pounds of food. The miracle for me is that we had 2.7 million pounds to give. Yeah. And so, large, you know, we get some large grants, but then a lot of that comes from local businesses. You know, mm-hmm. so those type of things, you know, for example, you know, in our clothes closet, we distribute used clothing, but we we have a joke that says we we accept gently used clothing, but we prefer not to accept gently used underwear. You know, <laughs> so we've had businesses do you know uh, uh, an underwear and socks drive. Oh, there you, you know. go. So you know, everything makes a difference, and you know, with the food coming in, you know, once like say in Cherokee, we're distributing a, a ton and a half a week. So whatever comes in is going to go out. So. You know, obviously, monetary donations it, it costs cost to do what we do, mm-hmm. um, and so that's always helpful. I mean, just like uh, just like a church or business, you know, you you um, count on regular monthly income in order to sure to to operate. And the thing about that is, is that a lot, a lot of people say, "I want to give to a specific thing. I want to give to children. I want to give to food. I want to give to whatever." And that's awesome. 
but we actually serve more people. They want to say, how can my gift have the greatest impact? We serve more people through our regular everyday services yeah. than we do through any special programs. I mean, we do a Christmas toy shop where, you know, this, this past December, 5,700 kids got gifts that they wouldn't have otherwise have gotten. Mm-hmm. You know, we do a summer lunch program where we feed 5,200 kids a, a, a week in nine counties, or no, seven counties for nine weeks. And um, so, you know, those are special programs, but we serve, you know, in fiscal year 21, we served over 45,000 people with our regular services. So that's the greatest impact. You know, it's not, um, it doesn't seem as, um, as attractive, but it's, it's just as important to, to give, you know, to give financially so we can have operate just our regular operating expenses so we can open our doors every day. Well, I was going to ask you about that because my instincts have been for some time now, uh, whether it's at church or for some good cause that, that you are, are probably going to have a greater impact if you don't, um, and I don't know what the right term is, earmark, uh, you know, like direct where the money goes. Like this has to be spent on this or this has to be, I mean, to me, you know, like a church, I, you know, I, I, I think the committees, you know, they're doing a good job and they, mm-hmm. they have the bigger picture. And I feel like I would have greater uh, impact with my dollar um, if I don't, you know, like earmark it. Is it? That's yeah. exactly right. You know, a lot of times people just say for whatever the greatest need because you yeah. have that flexibility. I mean, for example, you know, we, um, you know, we have a motel voucher program. And then mm-hmm. when we do our emergency night shelter, you know, anytime it gets below 35 degrees down at our Elizabeth Inn night shelter, they open up the kitchen and uh, single men can come in and stay and get out of the cold. And then for the women and children, we put them in the motel. So must before the pandemic was spending about $5,000 a month on motel. Yeah. We're now spending forty thousand a month wow. motel. So all of a sudden, this need popped up, and so if you have funds to save for greatest need, you know wherever that need is, we can apply it towards that. So it's very helpful to have have right. the flexibility um, to do that. Well, and I don't mean to dismiss the the idea. I think it's fun and creative to do like the underwear oh, drive sure. or the toy things. To me, it's a both and. It is. Uh, but I wanted it. to bring that point out because it just makes sense to me that you know let, it's going to go further and go exactly where it's needed right now. Right. Um, well, good. Well, I, I'm glad I asked. So uh, here we are, early 2022. Mm-hmm. What uh, upcoming programs, events? Uh, what uh, are there some things going on in the community over the next 90 days that we ought to let our folks know about? Well, I'll, I'll borrow a line from WSB. I don't know if it's copyright infringement, but they always <laughs> do the, the three top things to know for your day. So the three top things to know from us right now. First thing is uh, we're celebrating 50 years of serving neighbors in need. So ah. April 30th, we're going to have our Golden Gala. And so there'll be an opportunity for people to come and celebrate with us. And you know, business cause can you know, sponsor a table or they can donate silent auction items. You know, we'll, you know, we will celebrate and also fundraise so that we can do what we do for 50 more years. So we have the Golden Gala coming up. Uh, the second thing is, I talked about earlier, we have the, our new um, overnight shelter down in, in Cobb County called okay. Hope House. Uh, it's called right. Hope House. Um, we'll, uh, grand opening sometime in March. Um, our current Elizabeth Inn shelter is 72 beds. This shelter will be 136 beds. All right. And it has 36 transitional beds. So you say, well, what's a transitional bed? Well, we've got 136 beds for people who are in our shelter program for the 30-day program. But let's say somebody comes in and meets one of our client intake people and, and they need to come into the shelter, but we don't have any beds available. It used to be they'd have to go back out and sleep in the tent wherever they were until we had a bed available. Now we can put them in a transitional bed until a bed opens up in the shelter and they can move in. And then also once we open up that shelter, 
the emergency night shelter, the transitional beds will become the emergency warming shelter for you know people who aren't in our shelter program but need to escape the cold. Um, so that's number two. And then number three, um, keep your eyes out open for the must food bus. We um, got a old city bus and we uh, retrofitted it and made a mobile food pantry out of it. And so cool. we can put um, up food for up to 100 families in there. And you walk in there, you can get produce. You can get meat, you can get dairy, you can get frozen, you can get toiletries, you can get non-perishables. And so we take that bus to food deserts where you know people live, where they don't have access right. to grocery stores. We also do that to help seniors. We go to a couple of um, high-rises down in um, Cobb County where their seniors are, and then we go to the Canton Housing Authority here in Cherokee. And then there's another location in Woodstock that we'll be starting to serve soon. So it's the coolest-looking bus, so keep an eye out for the, the must um, mobile pantry driving around. Fun. All right. Well, again, your, your enthusiasm, your passion for the work, I mean, it just shines through. And I know you're human. Um, it, when you've got to run out of juice from time to time. Get, you beat down. I mean, and when that happens, where do you go? And I don't necessarily mean a physical place, but where do you go to, to recharge an inspiration? You know, is it Riding the waves down the Gulf of Mexico? Is it, you know, meditation? How do you recharge and kind of get, steal yourself to get back out there? Well, you know, there's actually a term in, in, our, in our field called compassion fatigue. Ah. And basically, and, that, and that's not so much, you know, you get tired of being compassionate, but you, you run up so, so much need. And sometimes there are situations where you can offer resources and you can see a clear path. And then sometimes it's not so clear. And, you know, you're not so sure, you know, whether they're going to make it or not. And so um, actually in my position now, I go check on our case managers we have now and just kind of check on the – I go say, I'm checking the temperature. How are you doing? Uh-huh. And I can see whether they're stressed out or not. And so, you know, for me, you know, two things. Number one, anytime you start getting a little um, stressed about, you know, how are we making a difference, um, you remember the, the old starfish story, you know pick up the starfish and throw it out there and say, it made a difference to that one. Right, you right. Know, you may not help everyone, but it helped the one that you did. And the, the other part for me, just real simple, I'm, I'm a runner. I'm a very slow runner. And huh. so I'm out running every morning. I tell people as much for my mental health as my, as my physical health. Yeah. Um, I've slowed down over the years, but I'm still out there and just kind of, I don't run with music. I just, you know, it's just the breathing and the footsteps and the nature. And, and um, people say, how do you stay so calm? And part of it is that, um, you know, I know who's in control. You know, I'm in prayer every morning. Yeah, it's funny with running, you know, when I first started running, it took me six weeks before I could run the mile. So my prayers used to be, Lord, help me get to that hill. <laughs> <laughs> now I can pray for other people because I've finally been doing it for a little longer. Um, but that's the way just to stay grounded and just, um, and by the time I get to work, I'm just, I'm chill. Wow. All right. Before we wrap, let's make sure that our listeners uh, know how they can reach out and have a conversation with with you or someone on your team or or get involved in some of these activities, whatever you think is appropriate, whether it's a a, a website, an email, a phone number, a place. But I just want to make sure that they have a place to uh, start learning more and and seeing about getting involved. Sure. Well, the website is a great place to go to just learn about MUST and all the services and find out where you might want to plug in. So that's just simply www.mustministries.org. And then for communication, like I say, I'll be, I'll be the contact point. I'll, 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 I'll direct the calls. It's just kjones at mustministries.org. And so all you got to do is email that, whatever you want to ask, whatever you want to do, and I'll, I'll get you connected. Well, Kendall Jones, Community Liaison Cherokee for Must Ministries, it has really been a pleasure having you come on the show this morning. Thanks, man. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's just been a pleasure to talk to you and just kind of share. Hopefully uh, it helps somebody connect.
All right, this is Stone Payton for our guest today, Kendall Jones, Community Liaison Cherokee with Must Ministries, and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you next time on Cherokee Cares. Cherokee Cares.